It's good to have you guys here. It's good to be here and to be able to declare God's good word to you. I got to tell you, millions, I love Easter, I love Christmas, I love all those things because millions of people will flood into churches during these weekends. And that's a, that's a great thing. All throughout the world, millions of people will come and hear the message of Jesus Christ. And there could be a lot of reasons why, if we're, if we're being honest. Let's hope the majority of you are here because you want to worship the risen Savior, right? Let's hope that that's the majority. But if I remember my own life, there's others in here too and all throughout the world, right, that are here because somebody who loves you drug you here. And you can't wait till the big guy standing up front shuts up so you can go home, do Easter egg hunts, and eat ham. Yeah, I got a yeah from that. I, get, I don't get amens when I preach the cross, but I got a yeah. There's others who are here that are confused and somehow thought that if you could come to church, that God somehow would be pleased with your attendance. So there's a wide spectrum as to why we're here, but I give thanks to God for each and every person here. Why? Well, because it's not by accident that you're here today. God designed that you would be here and that you would hear his word preached. And so I am thankful that you're here. It's not by mistake. Yet my concern as a, as a, as a believer, I almost said as a pastor, but it's, much, it's just as a believer. My concern is many people flood into churches during this time of religious holidays, today Easter, have never met the risen Christ. That's my concern, that you're not saved from the, the wrath that is to come. That, that weighs heavy on me. That weighs heavy on me. And anybody who has known Jesus as their Savior, it weighs heavy on all our hearts. And the reason I feel this, this great burden, right, is, is because of the simple fact, many people think they're good with God and yet have not ever trusted in Christ. And, and that's a concern that I have. Many people trust in their Christianity and not in the risen Christ, not in the crucified Christ. And, and one way to find that out, by the way, is to ask a very simple question. If you were to die tonight, and I know you're like, well, this is a cheery Easter message. Hang in there. Hang in there, right? Because there's good news. But if, if, if I were to ask you, if you were to die tonight, by this is this evangelism explosion. If you were to die tonight and God was to say, why should I let you into heaven? How would you respond? Now I'm asking rhetorically, you think through that. You think through that. Many times I hear answers, and I've asked these questions, I'll hear answers like this. Well, because I've tried to be a good person. I've tried so hard to be a good person. Okay, that's, that's one answer. I've heard, I've heard this one. There's a religious undertone on this one. How about this one? Well, I, be, I believe in God, and I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I do all these things, and, and therefore, that's why God should let me into heaven. And, and I ask you today, how would you respond? How would you respond? Well, I got to tell you, even though those might sound good, they all fall short. They all fall short. Because in the, in the midst of those, there's trust in self. There's trust in what you do. There's trust in, in being good and righteous. And apart from Christ, no man or woman or child is righteous. No one is good enough. So the question becomes, well, then what, what must we do? What, what must we say 
What would we say? Well, in short, ready? There's nothing you can do. (laughs) But where you can't do, Christ has done, and he has done it all. (laughs) That is great news, that it is finished. In short, there's nothing we can do. The only reason that anyone of us will get into heaven is very short. Jesus Christ died for sinners, whom we are. And I trust in what he has done upon the cross for my salvation. Make no mistake about that. If you get, now, there's a lot more to come. By the way, if you were here Friday, you, you heard this, right? You heard this message. And I pray it was sweet to your ears. Because if you're a believer and a follower in Christ, it, it was. And we were in Romans, and we were working through this while yet enemies, while we were wicked, ungodly sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And anyone who's in Christ says, hallelujah, amen, I got no chance apart from the cross of Christ. Well, Paul continues, (laughs) and he's going to say, oh, but there's much more. And I'm like, I'm really just, I'm just good with that. And he said, no, there's much, there's much more. So let's, let's look at this much more. You know, you and I bring nothing to the table for salvation except sin and the need for Savior. Faith in Christ and what he has done is what brings about salvation. So faith, well, that's a, that's a word we all use, man. I hear lots of people using faith in conversation. But let's be real specific. Faith, faith is just an attitude of coming to God with nothing in your hands and begging him to provide. And so we beg the Lord. We don't have to, we just come to him humbly. Lord, save me, right? And he does. So it's all about Jesus. Martin Lloyd-Jones sums it up well. And I'm just going to read a quote. So listen, the man who has faith is the man who, know, who is no longer looking at himself. And no longer looking to himself. He no longer looks at anything he was. He does not look at what he is now. He does not look at what he hopes to be. He looks entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. And he rests in that alone. Oh, that's some beautiful writing. So my, t- my hope today, what, what, what are we going to accomplish here, preacher man? This is just introduction. Hang in there. My hope today is that for those here who have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ would understand their need for a Savior and that they would see that Jesus is mighty to save and he is the only one who can save you from the wrath of God and that you would look upon him and be saved. That's priority, let's say 1A, 1B, I don't care how you put it. But then Christians, I just want you to rest in the good grace of Jesus, the good grace of God, and that your heart would well up for thankfulness and worship for what he has done to save a wretch like me, okay, and like you, if you've come to know him. So that's why we're here, and, and that, that would increase joy in Jesus today. That, that's, that's, my, that's the whole thing. So Jesus being raised from the grave is of utmost importance. That's that's why we gather today, because it's of utmost importance. Because here's the deal. If Jesus is dead, then our faith is dead. If he's dead, lying in a tomb somewhere, we have no hope. None. The Apostle Paul declared this exact thing in 1 Corinthians when he said this, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still 
in your sins. So it's of, of great importance. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no Savior, there is no salvation, there is no hope, there is no forgiveness of sins, and there is no eternal life with God. But if Jesus is alive, then our faith is not futile. And we have the greatest of hope. And I declare to you today that Jesus is alive. And I want to spend the rest of today celebrating that fact. And that brings us to our text, which will be found in Romans. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'd love to give you one if you want one. It'd be our gift to you. But you can follow along on the side. uh, Or if you have a smartphone, you could download an app. We're going to be Romans 5, 9, and 11. All right? So as I read, I'm going to read those verses. I want you to look, but I want you to notice the phrase that says, much more and more than that. Oh, and I want, you to, I want you to see this, so God help us see your glorious truth. As I read, follow along, please. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That is an awesome text. And if you don't see it, ask the Holy Spirit of God to show you. I love the language of verse 9. It says, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Listen, it is because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed on a cross that all those who have faith in Jesus and the work he accomplished on the cross have now been justified. And you're like, I don't even know what that means. Hang in there. But Christian, get this in your head and get this in your heart. The moment you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are declared innocent of all your past, present, and future sins. That is glorious. That is glorious. That you would realize, I'm praying that you would realize that the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sins. And because of that, listen, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ anymore. Period. None. You... you, None, no condemnation, zilch, nada, nothing, nothing but love for those who are in Christ. It's gone forever. All the condemnation, you might feel it, but it's not there for those who are in Christ. And that, my friends, is beautiful. The fact that Jesus was raised from the grave is proof of God's acceptance of his son's sacrifice. Romans 4.25 would say it like this. That Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses, and he was raised for our justification. Listen, simply put, to justify is to declare righteous, is to be made holy, um, to make one right with God. Because of our sin, we have no way to be made right with God apart from the blood of Christ. So that's what justification means. Now listen, Romans 5.1 would say this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's glorious news. And if you were here Friday, that's where we camped out on. We just sat there and we thought through this. So now, 
Fill in a blank time. Ready? God the Father gave up that which is most precious to him in order to make enemies his friends. Now, that's amazing news. That's amazing grace that we go from enemies of God to having peace with him. There's no more hostility. Christian, listen, there's no more hostility for you between you and God. None. It's gone. The blood of Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. There is no more wrath for those who are trusting in Christ, for those who have faith in Christ. It's all gone. So listen, if you're a Christian here, and we've already defined what that looks like, God has sent all of the punishment your sins deserve upon his son. And his wrath that he felt for you and I is completely swallowed up and absorbed in the grave. And Jesus rose, defeating Satan, sin, and death. It is finished. Now, if you were here Friday, you didn't learn anything different here. But Paul goes on and he says, but more than that. Boy, if you're, if you're a highlighter or a circler in your Bible, look for that phrase, more than that, circle it, highlight it. Whatever you want to do, think upon it. Because listen, if God the Father gave his son for his enemies, how much more? How much more? That's the phrase. Shall he guard us, love us, and keep us now that we are in a right relationship with him? Think of that. How much more? This is amazing news. But there's much more, Paul says in the Bible. The Bible says there's much more. You're just at the tip of the iceberg. Keep looking, Christian. Keep thinking. All right, well, let's continue. Because of this right relationship, we go from enemies of God to friends with Christ to being sons and daughters of the living God. That's the much more. Listen, John 15, 13 through 14 says, Greater love has none than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus says, and you are my friends. <laughs> to be a friend of Jesus. <laughs> this is beautiful. I hear all the time, I know, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. And by the way, I'm not mocking this. I know that I'm saved, but, but you don't understand when I stand before God, oh, I just know, I just know he's not gonna be pleased with me. And, and my heart breaks for that person because they're in fear of not being good enough. I know that I can't be all that pleasing. I've really messed up this week. I know, I mean, I love Jesus, but he couldn't, he couldn't possibly love me. And to, this, to that, I would say this. You're really putting too much faith in your ability to believe and not enough faith in the object that is to save, which is Jesus Christ. Listen, your good shepherd will keep you, little sheep. He will keep you, right? No one will snatch you from his hand now that you are his through the blood of Christ. If, if it were up to you and I to maintain our right standing before God, <laughs> woo, none of us are getting in. I promise you, none of us are getting in. I have personally failed God miserably from the time I preached Friday to this morning in my own heart of not trusting for him to provide for me to preach. He's like, come on, son, it ain't about you. Preach the word. How many times have we failed our God? Listen, in my thoughts, in my action, in your thoughts, in your action, if I could lose right standing with God, I certainly would, and so would you. So would you. But that's not how Jesus treats his friends. That's not how the Father treats his children. 
So let's continue, because there is much more. We're just, just starting. I know, I got the timer, but that timer can go away today. Listen, remember how Jesus responds to Peter the night, right, right before he's ready to go to the cross. Right before he's ready to go to the cross. Listen to this. Jesus says to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. That he might sift you like wheat. Like just literally violently sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith might not fail. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Peter and all his boasting. I'll never, never deny you, Jesus. This guy gives me such hope. He is so arrogant. He's, I just, I will never, do, I will not. And then like, not long after, cock-a-doodle-doo, right? Three times. Uh, he failed, but he said, but I won't fail you. That's the whole point. Listen, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus will get all who trust in him to the end because he's a good shepherd and good shepherds never lose their sheep period. So are you trusting in him? Are you justified through the blood of Christ is the question. And we're going to get to that later. But what a friend. Listen, let's continue in Romans and let's look at it. The second half of nine and 10, right? We're going to pick it up where it says much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? If Jesus was willing to stay upon the cross, if he was willing to go to the cross to make enemies his friends, how much more will he get us to the end now that we have been reconciled in a right relationship with the Father? Now that we've been adopted into the family of God, Will he not make sure that we get there? Listen, we were justified by the blood of Christ while his enemies. If he was willing to save us while we were hostile to him, would he ever fail us now that we've been brought near? No, he wouldn't. If he didn't give up on you when you were at war with him, what could you possibly do to make him say, out, get out of here? Answer? Nothing, nothing, nothing. The resurrection has stamped, paid in full, it has stamped mine on you, Christian, for all of time. It is the death of Christ that pays for our sins, and now it is his life that maintains our right standing and That's glorious, and if you don't get that, oh, I pray that God would just like infuse it in your brain, because that, my friends, is the stuff that makes worship well up within the heart of the believer. We see right at the end of verse 10, Romans 5, it says, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Much more, much more. You just see it. It just stands off the page. But you can see it more clearly. Let's look at Hebrews 7.25. Follow along. It says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is mighty to save from the cross, and he is mighty to keep our good and perfect record as we draw near to God through Jesus. 
because he always lives to intercede on our behalf. Can you see this? And now we're going to go. Now listen, in Romans, Paul takes this little hiatus, and, and he really doesn't pick up this thought till the end of chapter 8. So listen, we're going to look at some of my favorite texts in all the Bible in Romans 8. We're going to pick it up in verse 31b. And he's going to ask some questions, right? Let's look at it. Ready? If God is for us, who can be against us? By the way, this is for the Christian. I want to make sure you're not confused. If if God is for us, who could be against us, he asked. Well, really what he's saying is, if God is for us, then why are we afraid of any opposition in life at all? Really, that's what he's saying. How about this one? He who did not spare, and it's just continuing in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So if God has provided your salvation at a great cost to himself, why do we worry about our needs? And this is what, do you see what he's saying? Listen, child, you're mine. That's what he's saying. Rest in that. He continues. Verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Meaning, if, the God, if, if God's kindness declared us righteous while we were enemies, why in the world would he continue? Why do we continue to condemn ourselves? Why do we continue to feel guilty and unforgiven? Oh, we're missing it. Do you not see how beautiful the Bible is? Listen, verse 34 says, who is to condemn? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, same phrase, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So if Jesus, who lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, is standing before the Father on our behalf, why in the world do we ever feel as though we are condemned? It's to miss the whole point of the gospel. Verse 35, he's not done. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's his crescendo in question, by the way. The others were just building up to that. He's a really good preacher. He says, shall tribulation or distress persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Mm. The only thing that we have to fear is to be separated from the love of Christ, by the way. That's the only thing any human really has to fear. Those who have not trusted in Jesus, you are separated. Those who are trusting in Jesus, you can't be separated. And for those in Christ, it will not, cannot, ever happen because your father in heaven is always working for the good of those who love him oh do you believe that do you believe that when life has just been like a shaker ball do you believe i pray that you would but listen he does i'm I'm going to finish out in romans 8 now it says as it is written for your sake we are being killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep led to the slaughter no in all these things we are more than conquerors Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things of the present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord. Nothing. Oh, I just pray you would just stay there forever until he comes to get you.
Do you see now that we have been reconciled that nothing in this universe can separate us from his love? Nothing. Oh, that's good news. We are justified. We are reconciled on the basis of the finished work of Christ today as alone as, as any day in the future. Oh, get that in your mind. Ask right now, literally, Christian, ask the Holy Spirit to make you believe that and that any area in your heart that doesn't believe that, that he would help your unbelief. Ask him to do it. He would delight to do that. I promise you. Charles Spurgeon says this. I love this quote. Listen, Christ did not love you for your good works. They were not the cause of his beginning to love you. So he does not love you for your good works even now. They are not the cause of his continuing to love you. He loves you because he loves you. (laughs) Now, I love that you're laughing, John, because it makes me chuckle too. And by the way, it's good to laugh, Christian. I know that that can be sometimes tough, but let the joy bubble out to your face. Listen, so here's the deal. I don't love my daughter because she does things the way I tell her to do. Although I think in my sinfulness, I like it a lot better. I don't even know it's sinfulness. It's just her obeying her daddy because that shows she trusts me and that she loves me and she knows that I want what's best for her. But can I tell you something? If that little scoundrel, and I could say that, but she's my sweetie pie, in the back, does not listen to me, my love for her, my love for her doesn't go down one iota. Although, even in my broken fallenness, it might. But God's not broken or fallen. His love never does for you. How wicked of a man must I be if, if she didn't clean her room and I said, you know what, pack your stuff and get out this house. You're no longer arising. Go. You go. She's like, I'm 10. I don't, where am I going to go? I don't know, but you need to figure out a new place because you ain't welcome here no more. Now listen, you know, you know, I would not do that. Anybody who knows me knows I would not do that. So then, Is God greater than man? Let's say, yes. He'll not do that to you, Christian. He'll not do that to you. So, here comes the real question, though. What's the result of this good news? And by the way, this is good news. What's the result of it? Answer, rejoicing in God through Jesus Christ. That's the result. See, the question is now, All right, pastor man, how do I know I'm not one of the millions that flood in and yet don't know him? And and by the way, if you're thinking that, that's that's a good question to ponder. How do I know? How do I know that I'm not one of the millions that come into church and yet do not know him? Well, ultimately, this is a very difficult question. I I, got to tell you, I cannot answer it. I have no Holy Spirit goggles in my pack. I can't look and say, yep, saved. Nope, not saved. I have no way to know. But I do know this. One of the biggest indicators of salvation is joy in God through Jesus that brings about following and obeying. Now, let's not get it twisted. You and I are not saved when we have joy and obey God because that would still be trying to earn his love. Okay, don't don't miss this. We are loved through the blood of Christ. We have, through the blood of Christ, we've been made lovable by trusting in what he has done, period. But that fact brings about joy. 
It brings about joy. I mean, right? I mean, if, I gotta say, if the love of Jesus, if the, if the cross, if the resurrection has done little to move your heart towards him in worship and glad submission, I gotta say, it's probably done very little for the sake of your soul. I want that to sit heavy on your chest. Another way to say it, listen to this. John Piper says this. He says, Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. And the people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. Think of that. So let's continue in Romans 5. Verse 11, more than that. (laughs) More than that. This is good. If you're not having fun, I'm delighting in God. I hope you are too, but I'm just having a blast just thinking through this as I preach. But I can see that you guys are just smiling, thinking upon God's grace. It's beautiful. And we also rejoice. See that word? Rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Oh, this is glorious. Listen, notice the language. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ because we've received reconciliation. That's just, oh, it's gorgeous. This always leads to rejoicing. Salvation always leads to rejoicing. I do not know of one place in the Bible where someone comes to know, I was once a sinner, dead in my sins. Jesus, you have rescued me from the domain of darkness. You have transferred me into the kingdom of your beloved son. Whoopee! I don't know, I don't know of one place where it doesn't lead to rejoicing. Read the Bible, people. They are like, I was once dead and now I am made alive. You are worthy of praise. You are glorious, God. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I don't know of one place. Because it's not there. And if you can find it, show me. I will gladly receive any of that because the Bible is true. I'll receive that, but I don't know of one place. It always leads to joy. It always leads to rejoicing. Joy is one of the greatest markers of the person who has a right relationship with God. Listen, we can find joy in knowing Jesus. We can find joy by having peace with God. We can find joy by having fellowship with God, by being brought into the family, by being a son and a daughter, covered by the blood of Christ. All my sins wiped away. There are none as far as the east as to the west. I stand forgiven. I stand loved. That brings about joy. Joy. Even if, listen, I know some of you are sitting here and you're like, Pastor, you don't even know what I'm going through. And I, I got to tell you, I, I don't, but I know there's some hurt folks here, but I got to tell you, even if we lose all the things that are near and dear to our heart, we can have joy because we will never be separated from the love of Christ. We can always have joy in Jesus. So with our lives, we trust God. With our salvation, we trust him. And because of that, 
because he will do it all, because he is mighty, we rejoice in God through Jesus. Oh, don't miss this. Rejoicing in God can only happen through Jesus Christ. Okay, how about another way to say that? If you don't worship Jesus, you do not worship God. Is that more clear? Through Jesus only. He is the way, the truth, and the life, period. Rejoicing or joy, listen, is to feel a great delight or to welcome or to be glad. Happiness, and I always wrestle with words, man. I'm like, I was like wrestling in my mind because is joy happy? Is happiness joy? Well, it depends how you define them. So you're just gonna have to bear with me. Happiness can be fleeting. I, I really believe that, okay? So you, that doesn't mean we all walk in here, skippy, skippy, I lost my job, yay. Um, it doesn't mean that because happiness can be fleeting. But joy is a contentment that comes from trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord. True joy is forever and is not dependent upon life circumstances. True joy is eternal because it has been based on a reconciled relationship with God through Jesus, which is an everlasting source of joy. You see that? Listen, those... Those of you who are here, by the way, I'm not knocking you. I got to tell you, for 23 years, I was dead in my sins, sitting. Well, I generally wasn't sitting in a church. Um, I only was sitting in a church when my, my now wife drugged me there, and I thank God for that. I was anywhere but in a church. I'd rather go, well, I'm not going to skip that. That's a rabbit trail we don't need to be on. I'd say it's, I'd rather been anywhere. Okay? But if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, I got to tell you, you're going to soon realize that you're going to be like, I don't like you. I don't care. I want you to love me, but I don't care if you like me. You're going to realize you're not happy. Now, just hang in there. Or that your happiness is very brittle, or it's very insecure. You will. The reason is because there's nothing in this world that could ever make you truly happy. Not permanently. It will all fail you. The things in this world will all fail you. No career. Some of you think, well, if I had this job, no, it might make you happy for a short season, right? No man, no woman, no child, no whatever, no getting rid of a husband, no getting rid of a wife, no trading them in for a better model, nothing, nothing in this world will bring you true joy that couldn't be shaken in the matter of a moment. Nothing. We're all just a second away from despair and being crushed. We're one phone call away from heartache if your hope is in this world. Because it all can be just taken away in an instant. And none of it's secure. Don't misunderstand this though. I'm not saying that outside of Jesus that you're not going to have a good life. Because I think that sometimes as pastors, we could be real flippant and say that, and they're like, you don't know my life. I'm having a good life. Maybe you are. I thank God for that. It's just general grace. I'm not saying that you couldn't have a good marriage or enjoyment. You know, my wife, Jessie, and I have friends who just come to my mind right now. 
who are not trusting in Jesus for their salvation. We've, by God's grace, tried to show them and share the word of God with them and pray for their salvation. And yet, these friends have, from the distance, a very good life. And actually, not even from a distance. Some of them are just having a great marriage. Some of them are are enjoying the life that God has given them, even though they have not given thanks to God. Some great husband, I'm thinking of one in particular, great husband, great wife, great kids, good life, good life. Man, they possess the creativity and competence and even the drive to perform their duties well, better than some Christians I know. And so their life is good. And so like, they're just like, you're from Mars, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. But despite all that, listen, despite all that, they will never, never ever know the fullness of what marriage can be, of what life was created to be. And because only those who have submitted themselves to the Lord and received his grace can experience the fullness of a soul that is ultimate happiness. Only through Christ. In the end, listen, in the end, there is nothing under the sun that brings lasting fulfillment You have got to look beyond this earth, this sun. The hole in our hearts cannot be filled with things that are temporal. You'll find this out, I promise you. If you haven't, you will. Our hearts long for eternity. They long to be made right with God. They They long to be brought near. Everybody knows this world is a wreck. And we're all saying, what's going on? And I'm telling the Bible clearly says what's going on. Sin has invaded and fractured everything, and we all long for things to be made right, and it's only through Jesus that that can happen. Augustine once said this, You, God, have made us for yourselves. O Lord, our heart is restless until it rests in you. Oh, that's good. Therefore, listen, the very searching... The very searching for more and more and bigger and bigger and better and better... Which, like, oh, I only have three motorbikes. If I had the fourth one that just came out, then I'd finally be happy. It's foolishness. It's just silly. Just more stuff. I'll just shove more stuff in there to finally do the trick. And you say, there's nothing that will really do it for any long term. Nothing. And in the same sense, listen, all it does is it tells us something's off, something's broke, something's amiss. Right? And in the same sense, death. Oh, death. Hate death. Pain and suffering. They all tell us that something in this world is broken. And our continual searching tells us that we were made for something much bigger than this. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I mean, it just boiled it down to a sentence, but that's what he taught. That's what the Bible teaches. Read Ecclesiastes. So Jesus who is fully God and fully man, lived a sinless life. He died upon a cross. And he was bearing God's wrath in our place. And he rose triumphant, defeating Satan's sin and death, and has made a way to give us eternal life through him and through him alone. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And it produces joy. 
Now, I'm going to read through a laundry list of beautiful text that just prove and hammer home the point. And we're close to being done, but hang in there. I know some are like, well, I thought these were like 15-minute sermons. Never here. <laughs> just never here. Never here. Because God's Word is good. So will you listen as I read? Without any narration, I'm just going to read text by text by text. John 6.35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Psalm 4.7 says, You have put more joy in my heart than they when their grain and wine abound. Psalm 16.11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 90.14, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Psalm 107.9, For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it, rest satisfied. Jeremiah 31.25, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. This is just water to a thirsty soul. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. John 10, 11, The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. John 16, 22. So also, listen, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And listen, Christian, no one will take your joy from you. That's just, just think of that. So this world, this world system, is always preaching a false message of peace and satisfaction. If you haven't caught it, here's your sign. (laughs) I know that's old. I'm old. But the only way, the only way to have true peace and lasting satisfaction is through Jesus. So, for those who want to find peace and satisfaction, the source has been right in front of you year after year every time you come to Easter or Christmas. Every year. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. And, and I, I want to say this, so please hear me. We must each either receive this gift or reject Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Ready? To sit here 
another year indifferent to Jesus, I promise you, is to reject him. Don't reject him. Receive him. Receive the gift of salvation today. Do not wait one more second, I beg of you. You've had an army of people praying for you that today would be the day of salvation. That today would be the day you stop searching for happiness apart from the risen Christ. And by the way, make no mistake about it, he's for your ultimate joy. So I think sometimes we say that, it's like, oh, leave this fun-filled life for blah. No, 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 no. C.S. Lewis would just say, you're kind of lazy. I'm not saying that. I'm going to say he said that. And here's what I mean by that. He would say, you would rather go on making mud pies than enjoy a holiday at the sea. It's just, you don't even get your own emotions up through the risen Christ. He has brought more joy. He's for your joy, your ultimate joy. I don't tell my daughter not to do things because I want to steal joy from her. I tell her not to do certain things because I know they end in danger. I want more joy for her. God wants your ultimate joy to be found in the risen Christ. So, if you've been like, well, I've always thought church was pretty lame. Well, maybe yours was. <laughs> but I got to tell you, the risen Christ is not lame. He is the fullness of joy. Oh, come and receive. Come and receive your king. Believe in the risen Christ. I pray that you would. And listen, the Bible says, for anybody who does believe in Jesus, there will be more joy in heaven. I love this. In heaven, over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who think they have no need of repentance. Oh, you think you're good apart from Christ? You're not. I don't say that to your shame. I say that with sadness. Rejoice. There's rejoicing in heaven over sinners who repent and believe in Christ. I remember the day he saved me in a church. I heard the gospel preached. And by the way, I was there for a year and my ears were deaf. I was dead in my sins. And it was like Jesus said, wake up, believe. Oh, wow. And to think back, I don't even know that I understood it all. But I look back and I'm like, that day, there was rejoicing in heaven. I'm not making much of me. I'm making much of the risen Savior. He delights to save. Oh, would you come to him? And would you believe? Would you trust in him? He is the only one who's trustworthy. Trust what he has said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Oh, that's gorgeous. I trust in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For those who are trusting in Jesus, listen. You will be found rejoicing and being rejoiced over. Will you listen to a text that is just gorgeous? All of it is. I mean, Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord... Your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I cannot wait. I join in Paul when he says to live is Christ and to die is gain. Die is gain. 
Oh, and if it weren't for my wife and my daughter, I'd be like, take me now. But he has so many more people that he is delighting to save. And he don't need any of us, but he calls us into this. So, Christian, tell of this glorious news and worship your risen Savior. All who have been redeemed and reconciled, brought near to God through Jesus. Listen, God will rejoice over you with a shout of joy. That's what that text says. God rejoices with his people, and he expresses joy when we praise him. This is the love of the Father. This is the love of the Father who gave his son to make enemies sons and daughters.